check, check. David T. Miller, folks. Loading artist. Audio inside. Loading artist. Audio inside. Oh, it's Artcast, it's Artcast, it's Artcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen by your easel, maybe you can grab a chair. Or even take it with you like you ain't got no care. Loading artists. Audio inside. Loading artists. Audio inside. So sit back and relax and grab your headphones too. Adjust your volume, it's hotcast. Philip J. Mellon welcomes you. So sit back. Oh yeah, it's Artcast. Loading artists. Audio inside. Loading artists. Audio inside. Hey, and welcome to Otcast. Be sure to check out the artist's websites or otcast.com and check out the work and links. All right, let's get started. Words of the day. Poetic, tactile, inspired, community, and driven. Andrew Tedesco is today's guest. He's based in New Bedford, Massachusetts. He's a painter, spoken word poet, and a food enthusiast. Andrew shares in-depth accounts on decisions made, along with the struggles surrounding art school, sticking with the visual path of imagery he feels is important to talk about, and more. You will also find out who we'd like to entertain for dinner. And Mr. Tedesco performs some original spoken word on this recording as well. Just a heads up. This contains some strong language, but it's okay, it happens. Thanks for tuning in. So so I'm gonna I'm gonna be double fisting for for at least the uh, foreseeable time. So I made basically my take on considering you're out of Taunton. Uh, I do absolutely love El Mariachi. Uh, I've been going there for years, whether it's the Taunton location, Wareham location. Um, those are kind of like the two that I've frequented the most, I guess. Um, and they have a a blue moonlight margarita, which is basically like their house margarita with like blue curacao. And I'm all like, yep, that's, that's my jam has always been my jam. And that's, that's kind of how we're going to roll. And then I also have considering we, we talked about, uh, hopped beverages. I have, uh, dogfish's campfire, which is kind of like, uh, s'mores milk stout. So completely oh, wow. different size of the palette and that's that's kind of how we're gonna roll nice <laughs> i'll uh i'll virtually hang out and drink a beer with you virtual cheers my friend cheers nice. so uh how do you how do you want to how do you how do you start off this bad boy well i usually start off very clumsily and so i guess at first i was just wanted to welcome you to the podcast well, thank you for having me. Uh, you know, oh, sure. uh, 
I, I feel like we, we live in weird times right now. And, you know, what I mean, nothing kind of feels like the way that it should. Um, and I feel like this is a nice, like, kind of segue into me trying to, you know, what I mean, push myself back into being being more being in the studio more and kind of like thinking on like that that part of my life that, you know what I mean? I was kind of more in tune with when I don't know, I, I, I didn't have a curfew, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I know <laughs> that's where we're at right now. So do you prefer Andy or what whatever works for you? You know, I am I am Andrew Tedesco. I am bad Andy. I am bad Andy art, whatever whatever strikes the mood for you, whatever, whatever works for you. Um, I, I have, I'm a, I'm a man amongst many names as, as they say sometimes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, Andrew, Andy, what, whatever works, whatever you're comfortable with. Okay. I think Andy's cool. I feel like, uh, you know, I, I do, uh, as corny as it may sound, I, I, I noticed that your, your, um, initials are art. Yep. Yep. So I'm not sure if and, you play that up at like, all. For the, for the longest time, like that would uh, that would be how I would like sign work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I can jump into the questions. Yeah, I'm I'm down. All right, cool. So I guess just from the beginning, like, what were some of your first experiences with art, and when do you feel like you got serious about it? Uh, I think like my first like experiences. I don't know. I feel like for for a good portion of us is just as as far back as you can remember uh i know you know what i mean as far as like elementary school that like i was drawing superheroes and like i was a super big comic book head and you know i would uh, i would be that kid that would you know what i mean take like my allowance and go hang out at the comic book store and the comic books book store then got a little bit bigger and they would also have like magic and pokemon tournaments and like that would be that's like 90% of like my adolescence is just like hanging out at the comic book store buying comics buying magic cards like and magic has like its own like high end you know what I mean like there are a lot of a lot of especially like the older cards are just like the art is just amazing on them and like I would be like completely like drawn into that along with I think now uh like I have such a higher expectation for comic books I think which like really one thing I always liked about like Todd McFarlane is that considering he did pretty much all of the you know what I mean like all of the art and all of the conception that like from cover to inside it was you know what I mean it was seamless versus like a lot of other comic books you'd have like killer covers and then you know what I mean whoever's doing just like the full layout is just kind of like okay like yeah, yeah. I guess whatever, um, but I also felt that uh, there was this kind of like mini series that was based off of Stephen King's uh, Gunslinger uh, that was like a comic book series. Then they kind of just adapted it into being like little, you know what I mean, more graphic novel esque, just like to compile the whole sto like keep the story more like together. Um, and the art for that is just spectacular. Nice. Did you pull any color sense from that for your artwork or? No, like I, I feel like for the longest time, like I, so to kind of like, I, I always kind of just felt like art was really just like my thing for, for whatever that, that, you know, whatever that means. Um, 
like my you know my parents wanted me to go into like computers or, or something stupid like that and I'm just like like none of it excites me you know what I mean none, none of the thought of that like makes me excited so I'm all like I know how I am like if it's not something that like brings me any kind of like excitement or vigor I would just like give up on it and I wouldn't yeah. care and I'd just find something else that I would actually be excited about. So that, so that kind of brought me to going into undergrad, uh, for fine arts or actually I started out in illustration and I suffered through that for like two years because I was just like, I didn't know like what I really wanted out of like the field quote unquote, uh, like in, in my infancy of like academics uh, I really just wanted to work on my hand skills because I hypothetically wanted to start tattooing. Uh, a buddy of mine that has been tattooing me since I was 18, so we're going on 15 years now. Um, like, I wanted to, like, apprentice with him, and that was kind of, like, really just, like, where my head was at as far as, like, I draw, you know what I mean, uh, a pra uh, like, a business that, like, I basically draw all day. You make art all day. And you can pretty much make a living off of it. That was kind of like where my head was at. Um, but like the illustration program that was at my alma mater was very, is very just like uh, narrative based. And like that just made me also like not excited because I was very much just trying to work on like my skills, hone my skills. So that way I can apply them to this field that would have been tattooing which was where I wanted to go. But I felt like that wasn't the thing that was happening. And I kind of just felt, felt like I was getting stuck. Um, and then one of my prior professors in uh, Ellen Lewis Watson was like, well, like within the fine art program, yes, there is a painting option, which doesn't seem like that would excite you, but there is also a drawing option. And that very much excited me because I felt like that was really more in tune with what I was trying to get out of my program, which was work on, you know what I mean, my skills, which is like observation, like measure, like all of the like technical things that I could then apply to tattooing, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And then I got into like my junior year of my original run for undergrad and my, so like the, even though there is like a drawing option, you're just grouped with the painters and like you're you know what I mean your drawing is their painting and some of the faculty were very much like fine with that when I got to like my junior year it was very much like oh no you're painting with the painters and I'm all like that's not what I signed on for bud which very much like created a lot of like you know what I mean like bulls bashing their heads together to you know what I mean try and get one get the other to budge which just wound up in me becoming frustrated and I literally just like dropped out. Like I just stopped coming to class. I didn't formally withdraw from anything. I was just like, I'm done with this. Like, this isn't making me happy anymore. Like, I don't care. Like, I don't care what you guys think of how this should go for me. I'm done. So I just stopped showing up to class, everything. And I took about like a two year hiatus, just, you know what I mean? Worked like, dead-end jobs for whatever and then my mom started getting sick um kind of like after that like two-year hiatus so I kind of was just like all right I'll go finish I guess whatever yeah. um 
and then that kind of brought me into just like finishing up like the last like year and a half of my undergrad um then we got two new painting faculty which kind of got me really excited um because i like i really enjoyed their work and i kind of wanted to work with them but i was like i was i only had a year and a half left of you know what was my pursuit of undergrad which then created the opening for like do i want to do an mfa is this really kind of like what i want to do and you know what i mean you kind of get spun the idea of like oh well you know what i mean if you like if you hypothetically like the idea of teaching like we a give you the opportunity to try out what teaching is and then you know we kind of help you like possibly like get into the field and i was like fine i'll do it and then that created my you know what i mean three years of mfa along with you know my mom passing and then that was just a whole giant you know what i mean clusterfuck of like trying to deal with all of those things all at the same time yeah i know school, art school can be tough enough and i imagine i i kind of struggled myself with art school so right right yeah you know they you know what i mean it, like a picture gets painted of like kind of how the pursuit will be and it's not exactly on par for the course you know yeah um considering that like as i said i i listen to a lot of podcasts while i'm in the van um there's this other podcast called uh i like your work are you familiar with that at all yeah yeah yeah. i listen to so many of those podcasts where they have people that are like either a little more entrepreneurial or they're like they have more of like a business sense on like what they're doing and every one of them when they talk about art school they're all like oh yeah it didn't prep me for anything that i was trying to do like it didn't you know what i mean give me any sense of like how to market myself how to market my work how to you know what i mean make a living off of this thing they're just like oh like how you theorize on you know what i mean these shapes that you're you're going to make in your paintings and how they should you know what i mean not just be this like one-off little mark over in this little corner over here and that is just like what the fuck is happening like why like why aren't we taught any practical shit on how to how to make this thing work you know we are dumping thousands upon thousands of dollars into this education and we just come out on the other side it's like what the fuck do we do now (laughs) (laughs) you know (laughs) i feel like without having seen much of your older work i know i got images from you just the other day and yeah it seems well it's funny you say comic books sort of like were were kind of a pivotal thing for you earlier it's in looking at the work you sent me i feel like if I can assume that you you almost had like a message or something to say and you had to like go through the the motions on learning how to do that but yep. yet the the narrative didn't go away like it was it was almost like hindered in a way if I'm not wrong like until where where like if I if I were to dig through and kind of like send you like some older stuff like the older image like the older work was like I very much was like a monochromatic like I worked highly black and white, highly graphic, like really hard lines, a lot of like harsh bar, uh, mark making. And that was kind of just like where I was like that was kind of, that was how I ended undergrad was like that whole body of work was all um, 2D mixed media 
pretty much just more like charcoal conti and like acrylics along with just like really using a lot of like medium to kind of just like seal all of the dry work that i do yeah um which would then create these really like hot like these really like big gestures of like mark making versus like re you know what i mean really working towards like integrating more grays and like more color work um where i kind of even feel like the big um dead space work which would be like undertow and absent like that was like my thesis work and like i feel like those have like moments of color but they're still like highly like monochromatic in a way you know yeah like a i mean just like sort of a formula basic term like limited palette so to speak even yeah. if it wasn't like a conscious decision but it's it's there it was it was kind of more of a conscious decision because i was like i wasn't a huge color guy like color theory wasn't something that i was like always super uh invested in uh i think like the the biggest thing that i kind of take away from color theory is just the creation of like optical optical blacks so that way it's like yeah. you're 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 creating a black a black that then has like a different um different temperature different like un like nuances of color versus just like an ivory black ivory black or bone black or whatever like i my favorite optical black is absolutely uh a lizard crimson and viridian green yeah i saw so that I, on your um instagram video of you mixing those yeah. two together yeah I, I love that color. Like that black is like literally my favorite. That is my favorite thing to mix. If I like, if I had to like pick like a color favorite. <laughs> nice. I think what I was trying to say is like, like a little more intuitive with the palette. Yeah. Like I just in my head, like I would think, I don't really think about color too much. I, I think more about like value and I think more about, so then like through value, I very much think about what light does and um, I don't want to screw up the quote. So just give me one second. All right. Sure. So this is from uh, a Sarah K poem. Um, and I know we'll, we'll kind of dig into the poetry later. Uh, but like on that little side note of poetry, where like there is like spoken word poetry along with you know what I mean poetry as a whole it's kind of just like a little subdivision or whatever um I do kind of consider myself more of like a spoken word poet considering like I very much am invested in the performance more than I am invested in just like how it like lays and like reads on the page yeah um, so this is from Sarah Kay's extended, uh, development. On the other side of the country, I went to, went to class and wrote a poem in the margins of my notebook. We have both learned the art of capture. Maybe we are learning the art of embracing. Maybe we are learning the art of letting go. Um, so kind of with that, I very much and focus like when I think about my paintings like especially like that particular body of work I am very much like focused on how light whether it's prominence or it's absence travels through the painting 
So I was curious about that last line. Would you call that a poem, or do you think it would like? Is it meant to be performed like you just did, or? So like that's a that's like a full like so extended development is, I think it's like, it's like three pages, and she always like it's it's fully performed. Um, yeah. So I found Sarah Kay through. I think like my my thesis writing class, like where we were kind of like going through like TED Talks and stuff like that. And she has a huge like her her first TED Talk is huge. I think it has like probably like hundreds of millions of views at this point. Like it's insane. Um, so then like she she like travels the or you know what I mean pre-COVID, like, would travel the world and, like, teach poetry and, like, and it's, you know what I mean, that's not, that's not, like, the norm, um, but it, like, that was kind of how, like, I found poetry was through, you know what I mean, my academic, like, investigation into my art, and then it also kind of became this kind of other exercise that I was kind of doing, like, simultaneously uh, while, while working on like the thesis body of work that there were just sometimes like some ideas that I was like trying to just like articulate that I didn't really like have an idea for a painting that then I would kind of just like start writing. And even like when I was writing my thesis, my thesis is kind of like still in the same kind of like tone and movement uh, that I work on my poetry. Um, so one kind of was just like one, it was a kind of like one hand washing the other. Yeah. It might be a good time to ask the, the question that was submitted. Sure. And it's, um, Nick LeBlanc, <laughs> domesticated primate zone. And here it is. Do you see a connection between poetry and painting? And if so, please explain how your approach to both is similar and then explain how it is not. Uh, I, I feel like for me, they are very much connected because, uh, so, so we're, we're gonna, we're gonna travel down memory lane a little bit as far as like into like into grad school, um, that I was doing all of these. So I had in my, in my head about how I was going to treat grad school because, prior to like you actually setting up your committee and working on your thesis body of work, you're, you know what I mean? You have these giant crits with like 30 or 40, you know what I mean? Like 30 um, faculty that like really don't know you or like they kind of know you, but you know what I mean? Their connection to the work is so like obscure half the time that half of the time, all the stuff that they say is so just like, it doesn't connect and it doesn't matter. And you know what I mean? They all just kind of like start just like having like a friggin' cockfight with each other about their own ideas. And I'm all like, none of this shit fucking matters to me about what the fuck you guys are bickering about. So like after my first crit, after my mom died, I was like, I'm going to make, I'm just going to do self portraits. All these self portraits that I'm going to do are just so I can focus on technical aspects of working on the portrait, working from life. And along with that, I kind of went down this road of also integrating text into my paintings. And they would always get so 
butthurt and riled up over the text, over the text that I would use, how I would use it in the painting. And we would just like fight about it all the time. And like, it would just, it's just so frustrating. It was just such a frustrating year and a half of like this back and forth about the text that I would use in these paintings. And it was a way of me like integrating like this thing that I was very much like concerned with. And they're all like, well, what do you feel like, you know what I mean? Takes more precedent, the, the text or the figure or whatever. And I'm like, they're all important. They're both important. Like what, like, I know you're trying to establish like this hierarchy of what's more important. And I'm all like, why, why does there have to have to be more important? Like if, if the image works for me as a whole, that's what matters at the end of the day is whether it works as a whole, not that you want to nitpick all of these like individual little parts and and one of my colleagues, Mark Phelan, that like he was using text uh, in his paintings and they would just drool over it and like it would just burn my soul. <laughs> but I would very much like take that, you know what I mean? I work very much in the same way for both painting and for how I write um, that sometimes it's just like I get like a little, there's just something something just happens in the world or like in the fact that like I am the champion of the non sequitur of as as per Mark Phelan that something would like inspire me either like with how I would want to construct a painting or like a little tidbit that would like give me like a line for for a poem and like I would just write it down in my notes real quick and sometimes they they die there or they're you know what I mean like I have like these clusters of notes in my you know what I mean in my digital notepad that are just like one or two lines of a thing um and then sometimes you know what I mean they become full-blown poems or you know what I mean sometimes I want I've tried to like integrate some of these like fragments to become like to become a poem um but I very much just work in a way that's you know what I mean? Like, I, I try not to work in a way that's, like, pressured of, like, I need to write. I need to paint. Yeah. Um, even though I, I wish I could be, like, more rigid sometimes. But I'm very much, like, if I don't feel like... Like, sometimes I'll just go to the studio and nothing will happen. And, like, I'll just sit there and I'll listen to music and I'll look, and I'll look at the painting that I'm working on. And I'm like, today's not the day. It's whatever you know yeah it's but like why pressure people, you know right you know i'm like i don't have anything really like sometimes i think the pressure is good when you have like a show scheduled because then you're like i need to get to the studio and i need to crank out some paintings you know what i mean like that kind of like underlying pressure of like that you put that you put on yourself you submitted to like you know what i mean have this show then the show's coming up and then you're like all right let's 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 get to boogieing you know yeah now, I know you drew parallels. Is there anything that, like, separates them for you, or? I think they're just, I think especially at this point, that they're, vo they're both kind of just, like, part of my practice. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Like, I, for, for our first releasing of Rituals, which was released through Domesticated Primate, which was our, uh, our summer collection of poems, 
Uh, I create it like I a do some hand bound copies, which you know what I mean, which is book you know what I mean book binding. Um, but it's also that I created the front cover, which was a little cut. So like that is like that incarnate is like non separation of these practices. You know. Right. It's yeah. It merges the two. Yeah, I I feel like for me that they are so like intertwined with each other at this point that I don't think I could really like separate them. Yeah. You know, that like one is the, one is the big brother to the little brother that, you know what I mean? I will, I will say that I classify myself as a painter first, just because like I've spent so much time digging into this thing that is, that is very much a part of my identity, but it's also like, I've also been putting in like similar work, with you know what I mean with domesticated primate that we have been hosting poetry uh, open uh, like open mic nights uh, that has also been through uh, co uh, the co-creative center with uh, with Dina Hayden uh, for two or almost yeah I, I think it's I think it's almost like three years now yeah like we you know what I mean like they are just very much like one kind of nurtures the other and like the older brother does learn things from the younger brother. Like that's, that's how the, that's just how, how it is, you know? I think you do a nice job of to the different ways that you incorporate text in your paintings. Some of it's sort of a little more hatchy and then others they're I don't know if it's stencil work or it like they, they become visual enough to me that, right. you know, they, like, uh, like, they add to like the story. I like one of us is the killer is like, I use, I use stencil for, for that text. Yeah. Uh, for, for mist. That was like, I just wrote from the first line to the last line of a poem that I wrote about my mom, like on that painting. Like yeah. I went word for word, the whole poem, like onto that, that five foot canvas. And so that's, you know what I mean? That's, that's just Sharpie. That is just my hand onto canvas like the same way that i you know what i mean would write it into into a book so it's still very much like the artist hand you know what i mean creating the same like the same thing just like on a different scale um and then uh in that in that uh, other painting uh mr dante that there's just kind of like that has just like little hints of text that like you kind of you really see it more like in person and you kind of don't really see it in like a, a digital format because uh, it's just like it's done in pencil. Like it's just done in yeah. pencil, like throughout the painting. And I'm just like, yeah, this is fine for me. You know, there's a lot of subtleties. I'm sure the digital world doesn't reproduce very well. I think that's also, you know, what I mean? why like I miss I miss seeing work like I kind of would feel, you know, what I mean, when you're not really like in like a like in like the mental space to like that that you're like for me just sometimes when I I kind of just feel like in a painting funk or whatever that I'm like nothing's working or like I just haven't been like in the mood to like paint that kind of the the like kindling that I can use to start the fire is to just go see work somewhere whether it's a museum or a smaller show or whatever and it's it's kind of like, it, you know what I mean? For smaller shows, it's definitely non-existent. Um, and I don't know, going to a museum like kind of has its own like 
anxiety that's kind of tied onto that with with COVID. Right. I'll ask you another Nick question. Okay. Okay. So what role would you say working in the service industry plays in the characterization of people, both in written and visual mediums? It's, you know what I mean? It's kind of like people watching in, in, in a sense that, but it's also like from, from my aspect, uh, it's, it's also performative, uh, to a degree that I'm sure, you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm sure like some of my other brethren that are, that are in the industry, like it's, it's a harsh beast sometimes that like you really kind of cling on to when you would have like regulars or like your friends would come in. Cause sometime like, cause you can kind of just let that, that wall down of like performing of, you know what I mean? Really just like giving like the, of the level that you are giving of yourself to these strangers yeah. so they can have a good experience. And it's, it's, it's been almost a year since I've been in the industry. So sometimes like I, I don't think about it as, as much, but I, I could, I can definitely t- like say that from, from working doubles from, you know what I mean? Being both a bartender and a server that there were just days that you could feel that like, you know, you are burnt out from just the level uh, that it like, kind of like takes for you to just kind of like do the thing sometimes of whether the fact is that like on a double you run like 10 miles yeah. or that literally I've, I've, you know what I mean? I've had people cuss at me. I've had, you know what I mean? Uh, you know what I mean? People not tip me. I've, the question was, how does this correlate to the poetry? Correct. How does the industry play into your characterization of people, both in your written work and your visual work? Uh, I think that like the way that it would kind of just play uh, slightly into the way that I would create these narratives or these images of people is that it borderline cre- creates a good portion of us into alcoholics. <laughs> um, along with that sometimes, you know what I mean? That people become caricatures of themselves, uh, whether either being the, um, the server or, you know what I mean? The guest. Um, Cause like you can see you like from, from me looking in, like I can tell like when the table is tense and you're trying to just like crack through that or that like I would, I can definitely tell that like sometimes it's just like, I have to like, I have to put a face on because I'm like, I'm just like so done like with other you know what I mean? Like with, with just how like the day has gone, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think, I think it would, it would play its, its part. I don't necessarily feel that it was, it played well to how I would construct the personification of people in either poetry or painting. <laughs> but part of me does. So, so here's like also the, the real like ass backward, uh, element of it is that I still I kind of miss it 
that like for me doing what I do now, which is that I'd love a cop hat. Uh, I would sometimes rather be behind a bar and, you know what I mean, kind of giving, be giving of myself to, you know what I mean, to the patrons because I am a little bit of a glutton for punishment, but also I am just that much of an extrovert that, like, I kind of crave that level of human interaction at this point. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to ask you about the importance of an art community to you as an artist and a poet. Uh, they're both huge. Um, I've been like pretty much whenever I, I at least like get wind of seeing that, like there are poets that I thoroughly enjoy that are, you know, possibly like bigger names like Sarah Kay, uh, Hanif Abdurraqib, um, Jose Olivares that like if I see that they're doing a reading and that it's either Zoom or you know Microsoft like whatever the platform like if I can get in I'm getting I'm getting into that yeah. like it's because it's it just completely like brightens my mood like it, it and it also like it makes me excited because like there might be it's and it's like, I, for especially from so many of those poets, it's like I've heard so many of the poems that they've read before, but it's always like sometimes in between poems that they have like these little just like, you know, me having like dialogue like with with your crowd that you would kind of just like naturally have when they're in person. And these little like tidbits are just sometimes like that, that like fire starter that I'm all like, oh, like there was this idea that I had for a poem that I need to just like scribble down somewhere. So that way I don't forget about it, you know? Yeah. And it very much goes the same for, for painting, you know, like I would love when Kat or Kate or Dean, like I was really like in my head thinking about possibly like going down to PA for Dina's show because oh, wow. I'm like, I'm like, I need like I need like I, like I was craving the interaction about like wanting to talk about work and wanting to be around like work in that kind of setting and I'm I just I couldn't I couldn't swing it but I was very much like it was in like the forefront of my mind that I'm like I am obviously very much craving this kind of like level of community to I don't know kind of just feel like a normal painter or like a normal human, you know? Yeah. You got to feed that. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? How, how is your practice right now? Well, a bit slow for a couple of weeks, you know, kind of trapped in the news and, mm -hmm. you know, um, it's, it's just draining, you know, and I felt distracted and I didn't, I, oh, actually I, yesterday I, I tried uh, talking about going into your studio and just sitting and looking that's mm -hmm. I did some of that yesterday and it was good because I hadn't done that in like I said a couple of weeks and even though I didn't apply paint to to, to surface it was good I kind of rearranged my paintings on the wall and they're small so yeah. it's easy to do that and um, but it's good to just like be in the you know what I mean like nothing will happen if you are not there but at least if you are there there's the possibility for something to happen yeah yeah it it often doesn't leave me I mean even 
if I'm not painting or not in the studio, eventually if somehow an image of mine pops into my head, I'll either figure out, oh, that needs this kind of yellow over there or yeah. or a title might pop into my mind. Or maybe it's not a title. I just write it down and it becomes a title later and I wasn't aware that was going to happen. But it's good to like, I mean, I think the, the studio practice is a studio practice and it's often like nonlinear or, you know, you're not necessarily, like I mentioned, putting material to the surface, you know. So that's good. And if you can think about it and keep your head in it, that's helpful. You know, I should speak for myself, but I'm sure it would help other people too. So I like, I am sure that, you know what I mean? A lot of people are kind of just like feeling the same way about you doing, you know what I mean? You doing this, that by, you know what I mean? You creating this podcast and talking with other creatives that, you know what I mean? Like people talk about, you know what I mean? That they, they like listening to podcasts in the studio that yeah. it, you know what I mean? It, it's a part of, it's a part of the process. It's a part of the practice. Right. You know? Even if it's just listening. Yeah. Yeah. It's helpful. I mean, it's, it's great. I mean, I, you know, I've been doing this since 2011 and it feels like yesterday I just started it, you know? <laughs> and uh, so <laughs> it's good, you know, and it's a lot of work, but I mean, it's, it's invaluable, you know? Yeah, I think so. You know, for for all the episodes that that I have kind of like taken in, uh, I I thoroughly enjoyed them. Uh, so I appreciate what you're doing, bud. Oh, thank you. It's good to like have people to talk to, and especially now, you know, and we have we have a little bit more technology to help us through with what's going on with the pandemic and everything. Yeah, uh, like I was I was talking with uh, with my girlfriend, uh, kind of about like. I've tried not to like pre pandemic. I was trying to like not game as much because I'm like, I need to focus on the studio. I need to do this. And you know what I mean? Like I, you know what I mean? I was trying to spin all the plates and <laughs> like being, being how the pandemic kind of just is as far as like, you can't, you know what I mean? You can't, you can't go to the bar. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can only no. do takeout, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? You have, you've got to be home by nine 30 young man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, like now gaming like has been like my going to the bar because like I have like, I have a bunch of in, like real life friends that like are that I would then just like, hop on and game with and like we would just be able to to shoot the shit like normal yeah that we're not doing now you know so like it's it's kind of it's playing that that like community role right so i have this question that i was curious about or the answers i'm curious about okay <laughs> and just jumping back to your visual work and i was wondering if you can describe your visual work in three to five words or that could be separate words that isolate themselves or pop out, or that can be a phrase. Or uh, so I'll go with separate words. Um, I'll go with abrasive, tactile, um, poetic, mischievous. Nice. And capturing, I think I think that one works for me. Nice. Th there's one word that comes to me mm -hmm. uh, for your work, if you don't mind. Go right um, ahead. Okay, so I thought of a few more, but the the one cinematic kind of stuck out for me, especially with the 
the figures in the text, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and also, like, raw multimedia and memory. Yeah, memory is huge. Uh, like, as far as, like, how I think about the... Uh the dead space work, which is the, the animal skulls and the, uh, these kind of like clinical spaces. Um, I would really lend that to memory. I would really lend that to, to cinematic qualities. Like I would pull a lot of images off of like movies and, um, show like these shows that I would be watching that, you know what I mean, had these, like, hospital scenes in them, and I would even, like, I was, I was thoroughly, uh, excited about, like, old hospitals, like, uh, I just started watching, uh, this show, I think it's, like, what, Ratchet on Netflix? I'm not familiar, but... Uh, so I, I think that's, I believe that's what it's called, um, it has the woman that, uh, is in a lot of the, uh, American Horror Story, uh, shows, Hey, listeners, there was just a small glitch that I took out that happened in the audio at the end of Andy's answer. So sorry for the interruption, and we're back. Thanks. Oh, you know what? I was wondering if you had anything um, that comes to mind you'd like to read for the listeners? Uh, yeah, I'll, I will, I will, I'll, I'll throw a couple at you. No, that's not a Christmas one. That's. I see that one as a Christmas one. What? What are you talking about? The glass and the three-pound bag. I think it's the the Tyra. Yeah, that's that's the ode to to Tyra. That is that is very much not a Christmas poem, bud. Peanut gallery over here. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'll, uh, considering we, we have, we have an audience request. (laughs) (laughs) Which audience for me? Uh, uh, no, well, no, the, as far as per the poem. Uh, okay. I, I, I definitely kind of had in mind to read, uh, considering we kind of talked about it. Um, but, but she very much made a request for a specific poem. Okay. Uh, so, uh, so this one is called, uh, an ode to Miss Ty Ty, which is AKA Miss Tyra Banks. And I quote, take responsibility for yourself. I wrote that in all caps as she wrote that in all caps. As we all know, when you start typing that rant as you're about to clap back. For her, it was a display of how she's not perfect. None of us are perfect. Those that know me, that know me, know that I've got kerosene blended with espresso pumping through my veins. That I was born so hot that Pompeii would be like, this shit is gonna go off. It makes a lot of people have opinions about me. They're entitled to them. But don't you ever disrespect my mama. Or I won't think twice of either going on a verbal tirade or delivering M80s like they were babies. That I don't care if you drive a Mercedes or a Lexus. Because all you do is perplex us. 
with your toxic shit, a walking tar pit that wants to suck us all into it. No, little girl, put the cookies down. I ain't buying those seductive samosas. You're trying to play me like I don't know myself as if I don't know the story that I blame my whiteness on all of the rice and coconut milk my mom had while she was pregnant. How she'd roll in her grave if she were in one to know I've had sinigang, halo halo, bagoong, made adobo, not not Puerto Rican uh, adobo, different brother from different semi-indigenous mother, but still just as delicious. Thank you, Mama Velez, because little Dicky is just too lazy to make it himself. I digress. Champion of the non-sequitur as per Mr. O'Fallon. But, but back to Miss Tiffany, that even in Amanda's half-awakened state in O Tiffany was muttered, the memes, the gifts, as if they were gifts from the digital gods, or to help a prince transcend from a frog or a princess. It is an essence of being driven that keeps you up at 4 a.m. reading about you and your mama. And just like that, those that know me know I'd eat chicken wings until I cry, want to drown in a gallon of milk, or fist my face with vanilla ice cream, dream of dreams, where three cats and a dog and two people aren't stacked upon each other, Jenga on top of 15 pounds of shit stuffed into a three-pound sack, crazy enough to dance with 300-pound gorillas for fun, feeling like I wish I had one of those five friends since grade school that still played the same game of tag, wishing that my mama would be the one to tell me to stop standing in, <laughs> in the way of my big, fat, sexy, juicy goals. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and then also from what I like to call the uh, the greatest hits. Uh, so this was this was the first piece that like I really feel that like I kind of like brought to fruition that like I kind of felt like it's like was like one of my first like real like my big boy poems like <laughs> that is not you know what I mean just kind of like a few lines or whatever um so this is a piece called mist uh this is one of the first pieces that I really wrote about my mom there are things that you miss that you missed that I missed all the fits of trying to fit all of this into your life that you swear you're doing what's right in the end you want to call it quits when things get tight vice vice grip I want this pipe fitting to fit this pipeline, this tightrope that I walk fine line. I swear I get it from her. That infectious laughter that cuts through a room like a hot knife through butter, carry gold, golden. Can't tell you how many times growing up used to be called the golden child. Heard it through the grapevine, growing wild. We used to grow grapes in Brock Vegas. Not one of those things that made us. Not one of those things that made me miss you. But how you would toil in the earth that for what it's worth, that from the simplest seed with tenderness, it can indeed grow into something worth harvesting. And I'm trying, Mom trying to put that face on, you know, that fake one. The one that doesn't shed tears, it's always shifting gears, moving and shaking, popping like bacon. But what if all it is is faking? Fake it till you make it. What if it's all made out of bullshit? Sometimes I know bullshit gets toiled back into it. Compost, fertile land, the missing element is the man made, the two it takes to make one, the born son, the one or two it takes to shape one. And I wanted you to see it, even though the it will always be in transit, transformation. From my active participation, milestones will be hit and shattered. But in the end, all that really would have mattered is that you wouldn't have missed all of this, that all of this is for something, someone. Sometimes those fine lines get blurry. We're always in a hurry. Flurry of events. I wish every reference to you wasn't past tense. Thank you. Yeah, great. Thank you. No, no problem. Uh, let's see. Now, I was curious about like entertaining an artist or writer from history. So I was thinking about this one and I was very much 
even though like I would love the idea of, you know what I mean, resurrecting someone and like being able to entertain them for like a dinner or something, I feel that like like the more I thought about it, it was it was more that like I would want to just entertain. Like I have I've I've seen Andrew Salgado's work in person. I've met him. Uh and I've also met uh, Jenny Morgan. Uh, I wrote about both of them in my thesis. And maybe if I had to pick one, I might say Jenny Morgan, because I wrote uh, heavily about this piece uh, that was about her friend David. And this piece was such a mindfuck when I kind of really started digging into more of the the narrative and the symbolism about the painting because this Pete uh I don't remember what the actually on my iPad right here um so this piece that is about her friend David uh she I think she painted it like a few weeks after his mom passed Okay. And I'm all like, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> because that was, so I, so that show opened in New York, maybe a couple months after my mom passed. That was like my first uh, semester in grad school. Um, and it was this huge New York trip that like we had undergrads and grads on it. It was a two day, it was a, it was a one night stay over two day kind of extravaganza. And I remember just like seeing this body of work being completely taken away by it and not really knowing like a whole lot about it. And then like further into like diving into it, like two years later, as I'm writing my thesis, like I hear her talking about it. And I'm just, like, completely, like, losing my mind for the fact that, like, technically the the subject matter is so close to just my existence, you yeah. know? So I would say, like, if I didn't really have to pick, I would say, like, a dinner party with uh, Andrew Salgado and Jenny Morgan. But if I had to choose just one, I would probably choose Jenny Morgan. What What would you prepare for for the, the dinner party? Uh, I if think they I didn't have any restrictions on diet or anything, if you could do whatever. If I could do whatever, I would literally say whatever they would want, because that's kind of how all of my dinner parties go, cool. is that I kind of see what anybody is in the mood for. And sometimes it, it has been more often than not that uh, my girlfriend likes to throw out the culinary curveballs um, where I have cooked French, I've done like coq au vin, I've done uh, beef bourguignon. Stroganoff is her favorite, but it's but that's just kind. Of, but I like I think if you really had to like take into like my my cooking chops as a whole, it's not really that's not really that stressful. It's a little time consuming, but it's not that stressful. Like I think I think uh, coq au vin was a little. Uh, was a little outside of my my range considering that I had to uh, 
uh, flambe the chicken before they would, you know what I mean, kind of like hang out. She thought I was going to burn the microwave with how high the, the flame was getting because we have the, like, microwave above the stove. Uh. So, yeah, like, I I could have possibly burned the house down doing cock over as I was flambeing the chicken thighs. Yeah, that's a thing. Well. <laughs> yeah, ch- kitchen, uh, chicken cacciatore wasn't that, wasn't so that hard. it was different than what you normally do for a pasta. So yeah, I, I would very much go with whatever the the guests would really enjoy. Like yeah. me personally, I am very much I like my favorite thing is just like a a, a very simple, well cooked steak. Like it can just be salt, pepper, butter, and I'm pretty friggin' happy. And by nice. well, yeah, and also by like being being well being being well prepared i also do mean that it's probably going to try and crawl off the plate <laughs> <laughs> do you have anything particular you'd like to talk about with them or again it might just be something that happens organically uh i think it would be a uh, more of an organic conversation yeah. but it's also for the fact that both of them so i so the the reason why I would choose living artists is because I would kind of try to be selfish about it. And like the conversation, like part of like trying to steer the conversation would be wanting to know, like, how did they do it? You know what I mean? Like that Andrew Salgado went from, you know what I mean? That like he, he originally studied was a, a Canadian based artist that then started studying in London is represented by beers contemporary has sold out pretty much all of his solo shows since he's pretty much had them. And that's, that's a pretty impressive pedigree. If you know what I mean? I had to like, look at anybody that's really living right now, yeah. you know? Um, and Jenny Morgan kind of just makes really incredible work and who is also like highly vetted for what she's been doing has like, has had her work represented multiple times in like, juxtapose and like high fructose like all of these kind of like more contemporary like magazines um but her work is stellar like both of their work is like like a little bit different in application but like both incredible um so it'd also be you know what i mean kind of like having a conversation about like navigating the space that is the art world and you know what i mean kind of just making it yeah you know so i was curious about hashtags oh i was thinking about this this morning when i took the dog out because i really wanted like i kind of had like kind of a kitschy answer and i was basically just gonna be like all of them yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) because like the way i view hashtags is very much just like it's a mechanic it's a mechanic and it's a and it's a technical part of the attention arbitrage that is, you know what I mean, posting work or like, you know what I mean, trying to just get your work seen by people. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it's trying to just like create attention around the the work that you do. Um, so regardless of the platform, it's it's just maximizing. If they let you do 30 hashtags that is Instagram 
you use 30 hashtags. Like, that's yeah. it. Like, <laughs> and, and, like, there, you know what I mean? There's different techniques about it that you can truncate it, which basically means, like, you just create, you know what I mean? Like, you would, you would put, like, regular text up top. You wouldn't put any hashtags in it. And then you would kind of just make space after, like, your actual caption and just yeah. put all your hashtags in the bottom. Or you could put all your hashtags in a separate comment, whatever. Like, whatever you feel, like, works for you and, like, that application, it's very much just, like, it's it's a technique for me. Like, I put, like, four, like, different styles of posts that uh, I use on, like, just, like, considering I'm, I'm talking about it, like, Instagram. Like, if, if, I'm, if I'm doing, like, a, a fitness post that, like, I have a note that has all of my fitness hashtags already in it. I copy and paste, and I send it. If I'm if it's an art post, I have a completely different set of hashtags that I copy and paste, and I send it. If it's cooking, same thing. Like, yeah. I've put the time in to at least just, like, have those just ready, and that way it doesn't hinder the process of just creating the content. Because, okay. like, at the end of the day, it's just the only way that you create more attention is by creating more content. That's realistically it. Nice. There's um, a part of that question, which I don't know that I sent to you. And like, if there's any specific hashtags that sort of reflect your approach or your creative philosophy. I don't, I don't think they really like really inflect on like my creative philosophy um because i really just feel that they're just part they're just a tool and a mechanic within a system that i am i'm just taking part in you know what i mean as far as i haven't i haven't done a whole lot of like painting content on tiktok uh okay. because i just kind of felt like i didn't really feel like it would make a whole lot of sense you know um even though like i've seen i see people do it uh i don't know if i would just rather go on like tiktok live and just kind of try it out to just see how like the algorithm treats it as far as that's concerned um it's just an attention game and i'm fine with that like i'm fine that that's kind of like what social media is and like that's that's obviously what i use it for and that from one of from this entrepreneur that I follow, uh, which is uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, goes for short as Gary V V E E. Um, it's a content game. Like, it's not. You know what I mean? Like, some people are all like, "Oh, I only post once every couple of days," and you know what I mean? Just because like, I I have felt that if I, that I'm posting too much for the people that follow me, it's all like the algorithm is not going to be your friend. Like maybe they'll see it. Maybe they don't. And just because like you think that you're flooding, you know what I mean? Your market. It's like the only way to get outside of your market is if you're actually posting more. Yeah. So that way different parts of the algorithm, like share your posts, like in a different way. Andy, thank you for being a part of the podcast. Phil, thank you for having me. It's been a blast. Big thanks to Andrew Tedesco for being on the show. Seek out more of his work at bad underscore Andy underscore art on Instagram. Thanks again. This has been Artcast. I'm your host, Philip J. Mellon. 
Thanks for listening, and keep the dialogue going. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Let me ask you this. Define abstract art. Oh, come on. Okay, here's a better one. What does this painting mean? I'm getting nowhere with this. Forget it. Hotcast Home is A H T C A S T dot com. Thanks again. Sounds like the party's over, but you can still stay connected. Otcast Audio is on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Stitcher, and now on Google Podcasts. Otcast Social on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr. Let's not forget about Instagram. Thanks for tuning in.